What? So, so seriously, think about this. Like, what comes, what comes to your mind when I ask you, what does God look like? What do you see when you think of God? Now, I know God doesn't have flesh and bones. He's spirit. And we don't, so we don't have this notion of what he looks like. But, but I think maybe all of us have an image in our mind of what God is like, like what's, what, what he looks like. If you could see, just, just pose for a second, God, you could see God's face right now. What, what kind of, what kind of um, facial expression does he have right now? When he looks at you, when you feel God's gaze, what do you sense on God's face? A smile? A frown? Disgust? Anger? Or is it just kind of an impassive, hard-to-read expression? I'm not saying there's any right or wrong answer to this. I just want you to think about it for a minute. What do, what do you see? What do you see on God's face? When you sin, when you sin, and you think of God's face, God's expression toward you, what do you see? You see a tear? You see disappointment? It's always been interesting, I think, to think about what Peter saw on the face of Jesus that night, that Thursday night, you know, when he denied him the third time Jesus had predicted it. I don't know, it's something about the way the gospel writer tells us that story of Peter's denying Jesus. I don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know the guy. I don't know him. Three times around that fire, you know. Jesus walks out and their eyes, their eyes lock. I've I've always wondered what was on the face of Jesus at that moment when Peter had sinned, he knew he had sinned, had every chance not to do it, adequate warnings, and whatever he saw on the face of Jesus, he went out and cried. You know, I've always thought, I've always thought that on Jesus' face, it wasn't anger, it wasn't disgust, but it could have been, it could have been maybe something that looked a little hurt, maybe? I don't know, what do you see? Maybe, maybe disappointment? Not anger, not disgust. Maybe, maybe, maybe he saw compassion in the face of Jesus that night. I think what you think of Jesus and what you think of God um, determines a lot about the way you serve God, the way you live. And how you think about God is, is shaped in ways that we don't even know, I think. I, I think we probably have this idea of God based on a lot of different factors. And some of the main factors being how our parents raised us. Uh, my dad always told us growing up, us kids, me and my sisters growing up, that he felt uh, a deep responsibility toward me and my sisters because he anticipated that the way we would think about God would be based on how we felt about him and my mom and how they treated us. And so if they were um, impatient and anger, angry, if, if they were kind and compassionate, that those emotions and those ways of engaging me and my sisters would, would find their way into the way that we viewed God. And, and so maybe that coming from my dad has influenced the way I think about, the way it influences all of us. How, in, in your home, if you grew up with you know, a mom and dad, a single parent home, if your grandparents raised you, whatever, um, that those early influences, how they handled how they handled your, your, uh, your mistakes, your sins, your shortcomings, your, your silliness, 
how they handled your successes and triumphs, probably a lot of that goes into shaping how you view God. I've often thought, and I think you'd probably agree with us, that our earliest memories of church and their experience, maybe, maybe even things we don't even remember, the, the way that God was presented in, in church by, by the preacher, by the teachers. I've often felt that pressure as a preacher personally uh, preaching to kids who won't even remember some of the sermons, many of the sermons, most of the sermons I preach, but I've often felt like I have a good responsibility, a great responsibility to present God in a way that might even have some sort of a an influence in shaping the way they view God, you know? I think that's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty, pretty serious thing. More, not, not, not nearly as much as parents. Uh, not nearly as much as parents, but, but maybe some sort of an influence. What do you think of when you think of God? It has all sorts of implications for the way you live. Um, because when you sin, when you, when you fall short, as we all inevitably do, you're going to feel something from God. And I hope what you feel, I, I, don't, I don't think you ought to feel like it doesn't matter. I don't think you ought to have this idea of God that, well, he just, he's just, he just doesn't care. You know, he's just happy with whatever we do. Like the, like the, grand, the grandfather, you know, who's just, uh, just overlooks everything. That's, that's not the biblical notion of God. But, but neither do I think we ought to feel this disgust from God, this anger that sometimes people have a notion of God that he's, he's always just looking for you to make a mistake. Some of you may have been raised in a home like that where your mom or your dad, your caregiver, which just seemed like always looking for you to make a mistake. God's not like that either. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is a two passages we're, lose, we're using for... We're going we're to do tonight, and then we're going to look at these adjectives one at a time in this series on this uh, third Sunday nights of the, of the month. Exodus 34, looked at this last month, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, and on the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. <laughs> Presented with this, this manifestation of God, this theophany, this uh, God revealing himself and describing, describing himself with these five, these five different descriptive phrases or words. The first one is the word merciful, or it's sometimes translated compassionate, a God compassionate and, and gracious. And I wanna, we're going to f- focus our time there for the next little bit. I'm going to show this five-minute video, uh, just short. It's, some of you are new here, so I want to introduce it. Most of you already know what I'm talking about, but a uh, video from the Bible Project, animated, but there's real theological depth in these videos, and um, it, there's a lot of, there's really a lot of study and research that goes into producing them, even though they're, you know, they're pretty short. Um, if you listen carefully, you will learn something because they know what they're talking about. It's, it's good stuff. And I um, hope you'll listen to this. This is about the compassion of God. And then we're going to go back and spend the rest of our time looking at some of the verses that mention the same word here that's translated mercy or compassion in Exodus 34. So if you don't mind cueing that video, uh, we'll go ahead and watch that.
You know, when I was thinking about this, uh, this word um, and how God is looking down on us with compassion and, and mercy, this, uh, this, this is a very emotional word. I was, I was thinking of, you know, even now, just you think of, that, think of the headlines of the last day or so and that earthquake that hit Haiti, was that two days ago maybe? God is, God is weeping. He's crying for the people in Haiti. You know, he's, he's hurting with them. We've, we've seen um, t- just today, last couple of days, as the Taliban have made advances throughout Afghanistan. And, and I was thinking today about all those people in Kabul, um, many of whom have helped America over the past few years. And how that, that city is it's encircled and trying to evacuate people and the, and the poor folks there who are going to take the brunt of what I anticipate. I, I think, I don't know for sure, but what I anticipate will be some violence and a lot of hate and anger. God is, God is weeping. You know, God is, God is compassionate. And he looks down on us when we're crying and God, God cares. You know, he, he hurts with us. This, this word is an emotional word, and it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, some of the expressions that are used in that, in that short video a moment ago, the narrator, there's a, by the way, there's a, I mentioned this last month, there's a, there's a podcast. If you have an interest in going deeper into some of this, what we're talking about briefly on this Sunday night, they have a podcast that accompanies it with three of them talking about some of these words and some of these passages and one of them is the, uh, the lady who narrated that, that we just listened to. And she had just, I don't know how long before, but it had a, a baby and had nursed her child. And, um, and she was talking a little bit about how this word that is a word used to describe God is a word that is sometimes used, as she mentions in the video, but she goes into more detail in the podcast. But is, um, it just it really resonated with her because it was this, it carried with it this deep emotion of, of like a woman and her, her just like it's indescribable compassion and love for the child that she's nursing. Where she takes that child and you know he or she is you know eight inches away from her face and she looks down into into that child's big eyes as she feeds him with her very life. Um, what a beautiful image that is. You know, that, that kind of love, you, <laughs> you go up and you try to, you would never do this, of course, but hypothetically speaking, you go up and try to take a baby away from a mama. You know what's going to happen, right? You think about that kind of love that that mama has for her little child at that moment. And, and maybe it's unparalleled in this world. Like that is intense. And that kind of love and compassion is what this word means. You heard what she said with the word rakum. And in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, it's built around consonants. We talked about this a little bit last month. The illustration I always use is the SLM word group because it has a couple of words that we're familiar with, like Islam, SLM. You see the consonants there are shalom, um, SLM. And they, they share these, these similarities. And so shalom is peace. Islam means peace. Um, there are other, there, I'm 
trying to think of. Um, hmm, one slipped my mind. But anyway, that, that's the way the Hebrew language works. So it's, it's built around um, usually three consonants with vowel, vowel markings in between. And, and that forms a word group. And so you've got SLM, a lot of, a lot of words, adject, adjectives, verbs, uh, nouns. They kind of come and they use different, different ways of putting them together, but they have the three constants. So when they're talking about this word group that uh, is translated compassion in Exodus 34, it's related to, it has the same three constants as the word womb. And that's why she was talking about that a little bit. So in Exodus 34, when it says that Jesus or that God is merciful or he's compassionate, it's related to the word for womb. And then I want to turn to a couple passages, a couple that are mentioned in the video, maybe a couple that aren't. But, but look, at, look at this passage in, uh, in 1 Kings 3.26. This is the one about the Solomon thing that is used in the video. Remember the story, right? The two women had had children and one of them died. And, um, and then they both claimed that the living child was their own and they brought it to Solomon. This is just an example of Solomon's great wisdom. It says, cut the child in half and the mom... The real mom and the child said, oh, no, 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 please, please don't hurt the child. Here's the verse, <clears throat> 1 Kings three twenty six. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was, here's the, here's the word, she was deeply stirred over her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. Isn't that heart-wrenching? She would rather the other woman have the child than for the child to be hurt. Deeply stirred over her son. Um, I think the ESV puts it. How does the ESV put it? Somebody have it? Um, yearned. yearned, yeah, yearned over him. Just think of that, that yearning. Like, you know that kind of love that she had for her child. Her, her heart was deeply stirred. or She yearned over her son. Please don't hurt him. You know, isn't it an amazing thing to know that that's the way God feels about you? I don't know what you think of when you think of God, but at least think of this. Start thinking of this. God will do anything, anything to keep you from getting hurt. God is deeply stirred. He yearns over you. He yearns over you. And that's why when you sin, which sin is, is self-harm, right? Sin isn't just God arbitrarily choosing some things he doesn't want us to do. Um, sin sin is, is that thing that we do, that group of things that we do that, that hurts ourselves. That's why God doesn't want us to do it. Not because, not because it's just he's just trying to create this list of things for us not to do. It's because it's not best for us. And so when we sin, it's not that God is, is angry over our hurting him. He is angry because he sees what he loves desperately self-harming, you know, hurting self. And, and so God is compassionate and he yearns over us and he's deeply stirred over us when he sees us hurting ourselves or hurting others. It's just a beautiful image of a mother having this compassion for the child of her womb, you know, that idea. And, and by the way, you know, it's just interesting, especially in that First Kings 3 passage, because it uses that word that's connected to the idea for womb, and it's in reference to this child that she had recently given birth from her womb. You know, the beautiful, beautiful tying, tie-ins there. I don't know, that's pretty cool, I think, just to think about that. These, uh, this is a, uh, about 80% of the time it's used of God, 20% it's used of human beings. 
uh, but it is a word that's certainly used in feminine context to talk about what are traditionally feminine uh, notions. This idea of motherly love for child is, is one of those feminine notions that we find in God, which is, shouldn't be surprising to us. God created man and woman in his own image, and so we should, we should not be surprised to see in God those that, the most beautiful representation of what are traditionally feminine and masculine characteristics, that God displays them perfectly, you know, and this is one of them. I think it's a pretty neat thing. Here's, a, here's another one. Turn to, or you can just listen if you want, but I'm going to read to you a passage from Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah 9. Thinking about how God, um, God feels toward us, this compassion is, it means something close to the stirring of the inner being. Oh yeah, and that's why I meant to say this earlier. That's why I probably is connected to that idea of womb. Idea of womb is that it is, um, it is, it, it gets to the, the very center of one's being. And so when you're talking about a woman, for example, it's probably used in that sense, not only for the compassion that she has for her child, but because the womb represents the innermost, innermost part, the innermost aspect of woman. You know, in the New Testament, you may remember that um, sometimes it uses this Greek word. I don't think they mentioned this in the video, but... Um, it uses this word that, that really literally means the bowels. Remember that word? Sometimes, like the King James translated, translates it literally as in bowels. Um, and, and what that's getting at is the innermost part of your being. You're, you're stirred up in your compassion. Mood with compassion is the way it's translated some. The innermost part of your being. So that's why probably it uses this word that's connected to the word group of womb. So Nehemiah 9, 27 and 28 Therefore you deliver them into the hand of their oppressors who oppress them. But when they cried to you in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven. And according to your great compassion, there's our word, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. But as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. When they cried again to you, you heard from heaven and many times you rescued them according to your compassion. This is a prayer of Nehemiah. Don't you love that? That you, you've got these, these people who are rebelling against God and they come back and God answers them according to what? According to what they deserve? According to God's innermost being, who He is in His core. The very nature of God is God is compassion. And so when we turn to God, God's innermost being is that of He will respond to our turning to him with forgiveness and compassion. What do you think of when you think of God? I hope you think of God as a God who you turn to him and his very, his very nature toward you is compassion. First word God used in describing himself is this, the very first word. That's important. When the prodigal son turned and came home, God ran. That's compassion. That's mercy. That's raccoon. That's God. A couple more. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her... Here's the illustration spelled out. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion, no rachamim? It's a, a, a same word, different form. Have no compassion on the son of her womb. Can she? 
He's just saying it's so unnatural. It doesn't make any sense. It hardly ever happens for a woman to forget a child that she's nursing. Does that ever happen? I mean, that's why when it does ever happen, you see this on the news and some, you know, some woman has, has hurt her baby boy or baby girl. It is such a, an amazing thing. It's so hurtful and so awful, but it happens so rarely. And what he's saying there in Isaiah 49 is, that hardly ever happens. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Even these may forget, he says. A woman may. There are exceptions to the general rule of nature. And there have been women who have forgotten, who've turned their backs on their nursing children. But I will not forget you. You take the love that a mama has for her little baby. And, and what God is saying here through Isaiah is, that is just a glimpse, just a glimpse into how God feels about us. His compassion toward us. Uh, that's a, I love that's a beautiful image. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. That's how God feels about his people, about you. Jeremiah 31, 20 says, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a delightful child? Indeed, as often as I have spoken against him, I certainly still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have compassion on him, declares the Lord. Yearns. Parallel to the woman whose child is going to be you know, cut in half in the Solomon story. Yearns for him. And God tells us through Jeremiah that I will have compassion on him because my heart yearns for him. And we'll read you two more passages we'll be done for tonight. Psalm 103, 13 and 14, which in many ways is a commentary on Exodus 34. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so it's not just mothers. Here he uses, he uses fathers. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Well, it's just beautiful images. Last one, Deuteronomy 30, verses 2 and 3. If you return to the Lord, your God, and obey Him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. There's this passage in the Old Testament. That's pretty, it's pretty neat. Uh, where God tells, he tells the prophets, do not pray anymore for their forgiveness. And he goes on to say, the reason I don't want you to pray for it is because I know that if you pray for it, I will give it. It's kind of a figure of speech. It's kind of a neat way of putting it. What essentially God is saying is that his nature is so inclined to forgive that if you ask for it on their behalf, I'll have to respond to it. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let you do it because they have gone too far in their rebellion. It's just a, just a way, a kind of a neat way of putting it. And it gets to that, that idea of this is so much at the core of God. His natural bent, his, his being is wrapped up in he is a God who forgives. A God who is compassionate. He can't do otherwise. Because that's, that's his nature. And God can't act in ways that are inconsistent with his nature, right? So when we turn toward God, God will respond. And so I hope, you know, 
man, I hope you never get there, but if you ever do get to this point where you have turned your back on God and you find yourself in that far country, so to speak, you, you, you find yourself in this, in this land where you're a long way from God. You might be there tonight. You're here physically, but spiritually, you're a long way from God. I hope you'll remember this image. If you turn toward God, if you turn toward God, His innermost nature is to respond to you with forgiveness. That's who He is. That's what He does. So if you're there tonight, I hope you'll turn back to Him toward him. Maybe it'll be 10 years from now. Life stuff happens in your life and you find yourself a long way from God. And, and I, hope, I hope you wake up one day and you realize, man, this is not what I anticipated. This is not the life I wanted. And I hope you'll remember God is a God like that mom who's nursing her child. She who loves that child more than we can even fathom. And God is so infinitely above that that God will respond to you with love and compassion. I hope you'll remember that. And you'll turn back to him. And you know what he'll do. He'll run, just like the prodigal's father ran. Um, we're going to close tonight with a, with a prayer here in just a minute. You know, the invitation is always open. Um, if you ever have a need spiritually, if you, uh, if you need prayers, I hope you'll call on one of the ministers, one of the elders. We will always be here to help you however we can. If there's ever a need for someone to be baptized in Jesus, then we will respond immediately to that as well. Um, you guys got any comments or any questions or anything before we close out? This is not a, I know it's a, kind of a, a big auditorium. It's not conducive to comments, but I'd love for you. If you got anything? All right then. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, we are going to finish up with a prayer. Appreciate you guys being here so much. Next month, a week from now, a month from now, we're going to move on through Exodus 34, and we're going to cover all these adjectives that God uses to describe himself. Okay, I hope it will be a blessing to us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We love you and thank you for being a, a God of compassion, a God who is like the nursing mom, uh, who loves that child so desperately, who yearns over the child. And Lord, help us to understand that you yearn for us. You desperately love us. You don't want anything to hurt us. You don't want us to hurt ourselves or hurt others. And Lord, we know that sometimes we take our eyes off of you. We forget. We get caught up in the world and in our own selfishness and we do things that are hurtful. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, and we know even as we ask it, we know that your answer is always, yes, you will forgive. We thank you. And we pray that we'll always turn toward you, knowing that you will respond with love and compassion. Thank you, Father, for being our God and showing us what, that, what compassion looks like in the life of Jesus as he lived it, flesh and bones. He lived out what it meant to be kind and compassionate. Please be with us as we... Whatever it is we're going to be doing this week, school, work, home, neighborhood, friends, family, that we will remember we're your people and that we ought to reflect your compassion to the people around us. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.